and welcome everybody to FSU Coach Live. My name is uh, Tim Baghurst, Director of FSU Coach. Um, I'm joined today by a special guest, Tyrone McGriff. Tyrone, thanks so much for, for joining me. You're the Athletic Director at Florida State University Schools. Can you tell me a little bit about what your roles and responsibilities are and, and how you got there in the first place? Oh, man. Um... So my roles and responsibilities are very, you know, broad on the high school level. Uh, anything from uh, officials, scheduling, uh, budgets, contracts, um, coaching education, making sure our coaches are certified, making sure that they're continually uh, doing their, their conferences and continuous education uh, to discipline, um, a, uh, fundraising, facilities, um, the high school athletic director, pretty much does it all. So, um, and even things like cup squad and, uh, school spirit, um, social media graphics, you name it. So you're, you're kind of, uh, you know, Jack of all trades, so to speak, you're responsible for, for a lot of things that maybe a, an athletic director at a, a college, for example, wouldn't have so much responsibility for. Uh, correct. Yeah. Like you said, Jack of all trades, master of none. So how did you get there? I mean, how did how did Tyrone become an athletic director? Yeah, so um, I think that 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 journey was a little bit different uh, for, for most people. Um, I um, I started off as a, as a volunteer coach uh, when I was still playing football at FAMU. Um, I always wanted to coach. My dad was a college coach. And that was my, um, my my lifelong dream. Most people have a dream of playing in NFL. So that was extremely important for me. Uh, I started volunteering when I was still playing uh, at Florida High. Uh, left Florida High for a couple months. Went over to Rickers High School, volunteered there. Uh, was offered a few different uh, teaching jobs uh, around the county. Uh, and but then eventually found myself back at Florida High before the school year even started. Uh, so I started coaching there as an assistant coach, uh, and then eventually worked my way up to uh, track as a head coach. Uh, track is actually the sport that I've, I've participated in uh, the longest. Uh, I started running track when I was in elementary school, uh, and then I, I eventually became a cross country coach. So then at one point. I was coaching football as an assistant coach. I was a head cross-country coach and head track coach. And um, it was a lot. Uh, I started my days at, at 6 a.m. with my first cross-country practice. And then um, went to football practice in the evening. And then we'll have uh, some kids run in the late evening after football practice. Uh, so it was just a lot. But I think that really showed that um, I was committed. Uh, during that time, I also uh, started my master's uh, at Florida State University in sports management, did extremely well in that program, and uh, an opportunity opened up at Florida High for me to become the athletic director. Um, so I kind of took that um, yeah, as a blessing um, and uh, stepped into that role and uh, just been uh, plugging away ever since. I, I love the business of sports. So, you know, even though uh, this is going in on my fourth uh, year next year, uh, this has really been a um, learning process as it will continue to be for me. Uh, but um, it's, it's just been a blessing. 
So uh, let me just kind of recap, because you said a lot of things in there that, that I think are important, but one of them is you were the head coach of two sports and the assistant coach of another sport and, and also teaching. Yeah. How do you juggle all that? That's, that's a lot of sports. That's a lot of time commitment. Uh, and, and you still have to do your full-time job as, as a teacher. So how did, how did you manage it all? Um, you know, it's funny because people say, always say, how, how did you manage it? Um, honestly, no different than anyone else. Um, when we all look at our, our daily lives, we're doing it anyway. You know, whether it's being a parent from early in the morning to late in the evening, or uh, for me, it was an easy transition uh, because when I graduated from FAMU, I was still playing arena football. I was working out in the morning and in the evening. Um, I was, uh, I had a little part-time gig um, as a um, bouncer um, while I was coaching as well. So uh, the time never really changed. The focus changed, but not the time. Uh, if you play college sports, you know, especially football, in the spring, you have mat drills in the morning, then class, and then you still have to go back to the weight room after uh, your class and in, in, in study hall. Uh, and then during the season, it's pretty much the same routine. You have to get up, make sure you eat breakfast, go to your classes, come back uh, for, for whether it's weight training or practice and then film. It, it's a lot of different things that you have to manage and balance. So it, to me, it really wasn't that difficult. How have you seen the, oh, by the way, I should ask if those of you watching, if you have a, a question for, for Tyrone, be sure to put it in your chat box and, and we'll get it to him so that it's not just, just me doing all the questions. I like, I like uh, interactive audience. How, how do you see the job of being an athletic director different to the job of, of being a coach? Cause you've done both now. Um, the, the biggest, the biggest difference is, I would say the the budget, um, managing all the money. Um, that's that's difficult. You know, when you're a coach, uh, yes, you're you're still budgeting, um, but every individual program has a different philosophy. Uh, every coach has a different mindset. Uh, as what, do you, what do you mean by that in terms of how to spend money or how to raise it? Yeah, both, both. Um, some coaches uh, are are bigger spenders. Some coaches are big fundraisers. Um, everybody's different. And as a head coach, um, you know, just in general, we always think everybody's going to be just like us and no one's just like us. Um, no one's going to take the same wrong steps that we made. No one's going to take the same right steps that we made. Uh -huh. So um, that was the biggest transition for me to go from a program that um, I was very financially stable as a cross-country and track coach. We did a lot of fundraising. Uh, I held a lot of events. Um, we went out and got sponsors and did all those things like that. Um, and I was very financially stable. Um, I, I made sure that I hosted major events to raise money, but that was also dependent on our facilities. At Florida High, we have an eight-lane track. Uh, which allows us to host larger track meets, but we don't have a pool. So it's not really fair to say that I did a better job raising money because I was able to host track meets. Our swim team can't host a swim meet without paying some 
uh, large fee to run out of pool. So it's not really a fundraiser at that point. Our golf team is in the same situation. So you have to take on different approaches of fundraising. I think a lot of times people look at uh, your major programs, uh, depending on your area, it may be football, volleyball, baseball, softball. And they say, oh yeah, we, we did great. We, we raised all this money. Yes, you did a great job. However, the nature of your sport allows you to bring in more money. Um, some, some coaches are, are actually fundraising a whole lot more than those coaches. And it's, it's not just at Florida High, this is just in general. However, because of the nature of their sport and the expenses of their sport, they don't have the, the ability to bring in as much money. So you have to balance all of that, uh, and you have to balance uh, program needs and make sure that everyone gets what, what they need in order to be successful. So approximately how many coaches and how many sports do you oversee? Well, not approximately. You should, you should know how many sports. 24 different programs. Um, around the, now the the amount of coaches they flex because those a lot of them are assistant coaches so you go from anywhere from like 65 uh to over 70 uh, coaches on campus hmm. and so if we talk about hiring practices if if somebody is is interested in in working for um florida high or florida state high and and interested in in being a coach under you, what kind of coach are you looking for? Do you have a specific um, uh, philosophy? Do you have um, specific characteristics that you look for? I think you, you, you started to touch on something when you say characteristics. I think the biggest thing that I'm looking for is character. Um, mm. Character education, someone that's going to invest in the kids, uh, be it physically, uh, uh, mentally emotionally uh, those are the biggest attributes of a great coach uh, when you're looking at a interscholastic program um, if you're only coaching wins then yeah bringing in a coach that can win a lot is great but when you have yeah, at florida high we're k-12 so we have kids from uh sixth grade to 12th grade participating in sports when you have kids with that type of range in grades and age levels um, you really need to focus on something more than wins. Uh, you have to focus on development. You have to focus on their character. You have to focus on their grades. Uh, we're, we're not, we don't have open enrollment. Uh, we're a charter school. Uh, it's not like you're going to come in and say, hey, you know, I need an uh, offensive tackle. I'm going to, you know, come to Florida High. No, you, we, we don't recruit. Um, even if we wanted to, it's impossible because of the charter school policies. So uh, you really have to develop your kids and the kids have to really buy into the team um, program, team aspects. Um, uh, that for a coach, um, that's extremely important. For me, when I was coaching, I always told my athletes, I don't supervise talent. And uh, my, my athletes, after like the second week of me saying that, they were like, coach, what do you mean? I was like, if supervising talent is just getting a whole bunch of talented athletes and making sure they get to a competition. I, I don't do that. Um, whoever I have, I'm going to coach them up. Uh, if you're very talented, I'm still going to coach you up. If you're not very talented and you may not have a realistic chance of even scoring, if you're in track or 
in football of starting, I'm still going to coach you just the same as I would that that key role player. Um, so that character development, making sure that every athlete feels important year-round, um, that's extremely important for me. Coaches have to buy in, um, buy into the school more so than they buy into themselves. Just like we tell our athletes we want them to buy in, uh, the coaches have to buy in as well. Hmm. So well, one of the, the questions that, that I've been looking forward to asking is this, and, and it's something that you posted on your Facebook page uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, and I'm going to say, uh, when making decisions about a kid's future, which one is more important, the team or the student athlete's future? Uh, the, the future. You see what I did there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the future. Um, because your team should focus on the kids. And if your team doesn't focus on the kids, uh, to me, um, I pose that question because a lot of times people say, what comes first, the team or the athlete? I didn't say the athlete. I said the kid's future. Um, the, the, saying the team has become cold for winning. You know, put the team first. Put the team first. Yeah, that means do anything you can as an individual to win. Mm. And then the coach is going to make the decision based off of your ability to win or whether you bring in value at, to the win, mm. not bringing value to the team and its character. Um, and a lot of times that that's just a very broad concept. You know, when you say which one comes first, well, I'll give you a prime example. We, we always, as coaches, we kind of go back and forth with, do you play the kid at the position that's best for the kid? Or do you play the p- kid at the position that's best for the uh, team? And there's no right answer to that. However, um, if you're saying that you play the kid at the position that's best for the team, and you know that kid has an opportunity to, to go on to college and get a, receive a free education and possibly be a first-generation college student, and you say you got to do this for the team, I know that you can go play college here at playing this position or have an opportunity to go to college, but you need to do this for the team. Which one is the selfish one? But I would also argue that from a coach's perspective, it's important to have an athletic director that would be okay with the team not doing as well in order to allow this player to have a a future in college, right? Because a lot of athletic directors will be pressured into how many W's are coming in. And so, you know, it's great that you have that philosophy, but maybe some other athletic directors don't. And they're like, well, you know, whatever gets us, you know, success as, as a team or whatever makes me as an athletic director or school look good. So yeah, you could see, I mean, I, I love your response, but I'm, I'm not sure that everybody um, out there would have the same response as you as an athletic director. Yeah. I, I think that that honestly came from um, probably my upbringing though. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, of course my dad um, was a, a collegiate and high school coach uh, he really emphasized uh, grades and character development in his players. Even um, uh, when I was a kid, um, he, when he was coaching at Grambling or Bethune-Cookman or Tennessee State, wherever he was at, um, when he had meetings, I knew that he couldn't pick me up. My mom was working. Um, after school in the parent pickup line, I wasn't looking for my mom. I wasn't looking for my dad. I was looking for our car because... Mm-hmm. 
one of the players would come pick me up while he was in meetings. Um, so that uh, kind of sent a message to me. Um, number one, those players were like brothers to me. Um, and he treated them like family. Uh, win, lose, or draw, he treated them like family. And that's what's most important. So that was the first lesson that I had that it's more than just winning. The second lesson was uh, I had coaches uh, like Bill Wilson down in, in Vero, who when my dad's uh, father passed away, he stepped in for my dad as a father figure. When my dad passed away, he stepped in for me as a father figure. Uh, from there, I had Randy Bethel. Uh, and then when I moved up to Tallahassee, I had uh, Coach uh, Mike Hickman, uh, who's impacted a lot of people. And for all those coaches, uh, even though they have impressive uh, records, none of them focused on winning. Um, so I never had a coach that said, uh, do whatever it takes to win. Now we did whatever it took takes in the off season. We trained hard. They pushed us, they pushed character, they pushed all those things. But at no point, uh, did I ever see them make a decision that was based on winning? They always made that decision based on the kids development. And if you do that, I think your program would naturally win. So a lot of your your kind of philosophy is developed by, you know, your, your upbringing and, and what you saw growing up. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, when, when I look at you as an athletic director, you're still youngish in your career, right? You've been a coach, you've been a teacher, you're now an athletic director. You've been so for four years, but you also have some, um, some very experienced coaches at, at Florida state um uh schools and some very successful ones as as coaches and athletes how how do you deal with kind of the the age and experience challenge where somebody comes in and well you've never been in my shoes you don't know what i've accomplished you know who i am i'm not saying you get that but it, it's potentially there you know tyrone he's he's young he doesn't know yet you, do you understand what i mean kind of that yeah that kind of lack of experience based on who I am and what I know. How do you, how do you kind of, um, you know, deal with, with those kind of challenges? Um, the first one is, um, I, I Florida high, we're a family, um, you know, from Jared Hickman to, you know, Sheila Roberts, uh, who's a newer coach, but came in and really adopted that family philosophy. Um, and when you're a family, you don't put egos above relationships. So uh, with any of my coaches, um, we always, you know, talk. We 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 have a a, a community type of decision making uh, when it comes to the program. Uh, we have monthly meetings. Um, now, sometimes, yes, the age uh, difference does uh, probably uh, come up, not really come up per se, but it does present a, a uh, challenge. However, at the same time, um, uh, the, I think that's where you have to be self-assured. Um, you know, I, I've, I've probably won um, more district championships at, at Florida High than um, most of the coaches. Uh, outside of Coach Roberts in my short time coaching. Um, 
uh, I think Coach Roberts and Co- Coach Hickman are the only ones that have uh, more um, uh, state uh, experience. Um, but those are just numbers. So if you're looking for something to justify your decision making, yes, I have the numbers there to say, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. I have a degree that says, yes, I know what I'm talking about. However, when it comes to sport by sport, um, I have to trust my coaches. So if I have a decision that I need to make, I always talk to them, uh, get their feedback, uh, see what their reasoning is, and then we make a decision. I think uh, a lot of times my coaches, uh, they they enjoy having that kind of dialogue back and forth uh, before you just, per se, bring down the hammer. Um, that's not that's not effective leadership. And even now, um, I'm still learning how to lead adults. It's one thing leading students, leading athletes, but it's a different um, area when you're leading adults. So um, I, th- I think we've managed uh, the age difference pretty well at Florida High. Um, we, we've we've been pretty competitive in every sport now. Uh, I think uh, the other thing is our coaches know that I'm looking out for the entire department. Uh, when I first started, the only team that lifted in the weight room consistently was football. Mm. Uh, now every team gets in the weight room. Uh, just that single change really shows people that you're investing in the entire program. So it, it sh- like they say, show them that you care before you show them what you know. Um, I'm never going to have more experience than Coach Roberts. She's been in the in the game per se uh, for as long as I've been alive. However, I can show her that I care, and then we can talk about decisions together. Mm-hmm. So, um, just a, another reminder: if you have questions, just post them in the chat box, and, and we'll get them to Tyrone. Um, I had one emailed to me, Tyrone, and the question was, what has been the most challenging dilemma you've had to face in regard to ethics in your position as an athletic director? Uh, playing time. <laughs> I mean, uh, honestly, uh, I think every high school athletic director is, is going to have that challenge. Uh, when it comes to ethics, uh, like cheating, uh, unless my coach uh, did something unknowingly, uh, it wasn't because they were trying to do something the wrong way. So when it comes to eligibility, compliance, and everything, I check all the kids' grades. I never have a coach play anybody uh, ineligible because of grades. Uh, uh, a couple years ago, we had a, a student that, that uh, just missed the age uh, limit, uh, and we did the waiver for that. Um, and we did, you know, we've, we've had to do things like self-report our mistakes, um, and we're going to do those things. So um, it, it, in terms of the most challenging ethical uh, dilemma, it's always playing time because that's a matter of the coach's uh, opinion and judgment and doing uh, what they think is best for the team at that time. Um, and that's that's really the hardest. But, but you're the athletic director, and so mm-hmm. – if the playing time is decided by the coach, is it the fact that the players or parents are coming to you at, yes. about that? Okay. Yes. And, and so, so how do you how do you 
resolve those situations? Do you have a policy in place? Um, how does that work? Uh, the first thing is I don't solve issues of playing time. Okay. Um, that's the first thing. So uh, if I did that, then I'd be coaching. Right. Um, however, I, I, I do take note of that. Um, and, you know, take notes, literally take notes of uh, when players may be treated unfairly. Uh, that doesn't mean that anything would, would change during uh, the season. That if, if uh, for lack of a better term, if that player has been riding the pine all season, he's they're probably going to ride the pine the rest of the season. I'm not going to make that change. However, um, at the conclusion of the season, um, and during the season, you know, I have dialogue with the coach to kind of understand their philosophy and their decision making. Um, I would not force any type of change. I'm an athletic director. I'm not the coach. Um, however, I do understand that people are human. And sometimes our decisions are misguided and you have to sometimes just inquire. Um, some where we we all, uh, to tell you the truth, we, we all get into a situation where you may have a kid that is, Hey, I really like this kid. And you give them the benefit of the doubt, uh, based off of something that's not related to what they're currently doing on the field. Um, and that's a part of coaching. You trust them. Um, so then if you trust this kid, you have to provide the, 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 the process in the trust to the other kid. Okay. This is what this kid did. You won't say the kid's name, but you may say, um, I need you to come to practice more. I need you to be on time. I need you to do the small things. I need you to do everything that I am telling you to do plus some, because that's what this other kid is doing that may be getting your playing time. And at that point, um, playing time is always a competition. What people don't realize, it's a comparison. Um, and when you compare playing time, you're all, when you're upset about playing time, you're always comparing it to somebody else's playing time. So if you're a point guard in basketball and you're upset about playing time, that's because you're comparing it to the person that's playing ahead of you. Um, if your coach decided, hey, I'm, I'm going to take out my point guards. You're not upset because you look out on the court and you see all these big guys out there. You're like, okay, well, this person next to me is playing my position. My position is not out there. If you have a coach that doesn't throw the ball in football and all your receivers are on the sideline and he's going big set the whole time, you're not upset because you play receiver and you realize the other receivers are here next to me. However, when there's a receiver out there and I'm not out there, then there's a comparison in playing time. So then naturally parents don't realize what they're actually doing is comparing their kid to another kid. And you can't really do that. The only thing you can do is try to better your son, your daughter, or your athlete, or whoever you're trying to vouch for. Um, and so that, so that, playing, playing time is, is obviously an issue because you just talked about it for, yeah. for quite a while. What about boosters? Do you have issues with finances and we'll look at how much I gave? Why aren't we doing this or that? Or why aren't you doing this or that? Or we should hire this person. Do you ever get pressure from boosters? Uh, not, not so much. Florida High doesn't have an established booster program. We have more so parent volunteers. Okay. Uh, so uh, the, the parent volunteers are, um, aren't vested past the, their child's tenure. 
So uh, in terms of, yes, they help raise money, they help do all those things. Um, but in terms of having collective um, booster disagreements, we don't really have that because there's not a booster organization per se. So uh, just changing a little bit tack, when, when you're an athletic director, you obviously have to evaluate your coaches, right? You have to hire, and maybe you also sometimes have to fire. How do you evaluate coaches? Do you do it throughout the year? Do you have a, a system? Do you use specific uh, rubrics that they know about? How does that work? Yeah, so we have um, we have practice evaluations, and they have a rubric that we've shared with them on the different uh, uh, aspects of a quality practice. And then we have an end, end of the year evaluation, and we have a rubric for that that's on a five-point scale with different categories from, from budgeting all the way down to player relationships. Uh, so um, it's pretty elaborate, um, but... Um, it still has to get a little better. Uh, I've also purchased some templates from coach evaluation uh, for coaches evaluations, assistant coaches evaluations, uh, so on and so forth. I just purchased those this year. Uh, so I haven't really implemented those yet because it wouldn't be fair to start doing evaluations mid-year. Uh, but we do have a lot of different evaluations. Uh, but for right now, we just do the end of the year evaluation and practice evaluation. So, so I think if I hear you right, the goal is to observe them during the year coaching as well and provide some kind of evaluation. Is yes, uh, we do. I do a practice evaluation. I go through everybody's practice um, almost every day, uh, but I do a formal practice evaluation uh, to look at their actual coaching uh, style and their ability to coach uh, and not just yell. <laughs> Oh, you lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> not just yell. I love it. Now, you've, you've, you provide them an evaluation. Uh, is it just you who does the evaluation, or do you have people who might come in independently and evaluate the coach as well? Uh, right now, it is just me. Um, when I was a coach, um, I actually had several, when I was coaching track, I had several local track coaches come and observe uh, my practices. Uh, just to let that them was know. initiated by you, right? Yeah, that was initiated by me. Um, so I haven't done that yet, although that is a great idea, and I do have someone in mind that could probably do that. Um, so yeah, I, I haven't done that yet, but um, that sounds great. And and to follow that up, you evaluate your coaches. You expect them to perform well and and do the right thing and and follow the school's philosophy. What kind of support do you provide them so that they can improve their coaching skills yeah so we always do um after practice um after the evaluation we'll do basically a uh, post-evaluation critique where i go over what they scored low on what they scored high on uh i'm constantly talking to them even informally about their their practices uh of course uh some programs do get a little bit more scrutiny um not because i intend to but because um uh, I, for example i try not to go to track practice i i, I intend to track coach because i'm a track coach and as an ad you still have to observe everybody right and provide yeah, I can observe them but 
I don't walk through their practices as much as I would um, softball or baseball. Uh, that the softball and baseball coach isn't going to feel as threatened when I walk through their practice as when I'm talking to my track coach or whatever it may be, or when I go in, uh, Coach Hickman uh, makes jokes a lot of times because he knows when I'm coming out to the football field, I'm coming to tell him something. And he goes, oh, uh-oh, uh-oh, you know, he starts making little jokes like, uh-oh, who is he grabbing? You know, uh, just because, uh, number one, that's out of respect for the coach. Um, I have a relationship with all those track kids. I have a relationship with a lot of the football players. Uh, the, I don't need to be out there, you know, and then players looking over at me, kind of trying to figure out, am I doing this right? You know, you can look at your coach, you know. Um, so, yeah. Mm. Um, my, my last question is, is kind of one which is, you know, advice. What, what advice would you give for somebody who's interested in, in, you know, yes, being a coach. I mean, we are FSU coach after all, and you were a coach, but as a, as a coach, but then also as an athletic director, what advice would you have for them in terms of those looking to improve their career or, or get in the, the career at the beginning? Um, getting into the career, coach. Um, on the high school level. Mm -hmm. it, uh, of course, the athletic director on the college level is completely different. Um, they may have sporting experience, but they may not have coaching experience because it's more of a business atmosphere in college than it is on high school. Um, in high school, definitely, uh, you know, start coaching, start volunteering somewhere. Uh, develop a relationship with your uh, decision makers, uh, be it the principal, um, uh, superintendent, uh, if you're at a private school or a charter school, director, uh, whatever it may be, uh, develop that relationship with the decision makers. Uh, to give you an opportunity at, in, in some form of leadership or give you an opportunity to uh, provide some type of value to the school. Um, and school, um, I, I went through uh, FSU sports management. Um, that was probably one of the best decisions of my life uh, to major in sports management uh, really kind of opened up my perspective, uh, especially at FSU. Uh, I know you all have your your program. Um, I, I would shameless, highly shameless plug. I appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I would highly suggest any coach go through that. Um, uh, you know, especially if you're coming from a different major. You have people coming from business or marketing or communications that do not have a formal um, background in coaching. So getting the education. And then, like I said, because of my background, I've been around coaching since the day I was born. So um, I, I think I have a, a cheat code. You know, I have 33 years of experience um, because I've been around it for 33 years. I've been in meeting rooms for 33 years. So um, if you're going to do the same, go go find someone, find a mentor. Um, I have plenty that I, I rely on around here. Um, I'm like everyone's little brother in athletics around here. I'm always calling, asking questions, trying to pick their brain, trying to figure out what they're doing. Um, and you have to do the same. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, um, ask a question, kind of follow up, how would they do that? Yeah, they can email me at uh, tmcgriff 
That's T-M-C-G-R-I-F-F at FSU.edu. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook at Tyron McGriff. You can follow our, our, our athletics page, FSUS Athletics, um, uh, or Florida High, um, Florida High Athletics on Facebook. Uh, anyway, um, is uh, is great. Uh, you had that slightly wrong. Uh oh. Yeah. What did uh, I miss? So you put McGriff underscore uh, Tyrone, and then you put T McGriff. Well, one is Twitter and one is email. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, e- either way it is fine. Um, I, I'm pretty open. Sometimes it, it takes me a little bit to to reply. Um, usually, give me 24 to 48 hours. If I don't reply, shoot me another message. Hey, didn't hear from you, and uh, I guarantee you it's not intentional. Well, you're, you're a busy man. You have a lot of uh, responsibilities. Um, Tyrone, I, I do really appreciate you taking the time. And, and again, if anybody does have questions to, to kind of reach out to him and, and follow up, uh, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Uh, thank you.